Hey, it's Lily Jamali. Marketplace Tech has a new limited series out on YouTube called Decoding Democracy. With rapid advancements in new technology like AI, disinformation efforts are more convincing and more misleading than ever. So we'll be discussing how to spot things like deep fakes, how to protect yourself from disinformation, and how to talk to your friends and family about it. As always, this fact-based journalism and vital information will be free and accessible to all. As a public service newsroom, donations from you help us take on ambitious reporting projects like this one. Every single gift makes a difference. Go to marketplace.org slash give tech. Hey, it's Lily Jamali. Marketplace Tech has a new limited series out on YouTube called Decoding Democracy. With rapid advancements in new technology like AI, disinformation efforts are more convincing and more misleading than ever. So we'll be discussing how to spot things like deep fakes, how to protect yourself from disinformation, and how to talk to your friends and family about it. As always, this fact-based journalism and vital information will be free and accessible to all. As a public service newsroom, donations from you help us take on ambitious reporting projects like this one. Every single gift makes a difference. Go to marketplace.org slash give tech. Best practices in AI development? Yeah, about that. From American Public Media, this is Marketplace Tech. I'm Lily Jamali. It's been about eight months since Elon Musk, Steve Wozniak, and other prominent names in tech signed an open letter released by the Future of Life Institute calling for a temporary pause on AI development. The gist was that the risks of advanced AI are too great that we don't understand them enough to keep tinkering with the technology without proper policies in place. While that pause did not happen, there has been some movement on the policy front, most notably President Biden's executive order earlier this week to establish standards around the safety and security of AI. But for some researchers, the core concerns that led to the AI pause letter still exist, and there's not much agreement on how to address them. It's an issue that Jonas Schutt, a research fellow at the Center for the Governance of AI, hopes a recent paper he co-authored can help solve. Many people worry that um, the next generation of these frontier AI models uh, might have certain dangerous capabilities. But then the question is, what should developers like OpenAI do if they, if they realize that um, the model they're developing is, might actually be really, really dangerous? And so the obvious response then is um, they should stop the development process, not release the model until they know exactly what's going on um, and have made it safe and can now demonstrate that it is actually um, sufficiently safe to use. But even that might, might not be enough um, because other developers might continue to develop and release their models, uh, which might be very similar and have very similar capabilities. They should probably also stop. And that's essentially what the paper is about. So how can we make sure that uh, whenever a model with dangerous capabilities is discovered, all frontier developers temporarily pause? It seems like for the AI companies that pausing development like that would be at odds with their business model. That's that's certainly right to some extent. I mean, you might argue that a model with these dangerous capabilities is just not a good product. Uh, but you're ultimately right. I'm like not particularly excited about scenarios where uh, all this is uh, purely voluntary. 
Um, at some point, you probably want some requirements to do that and some um, some government um, enforcement of these requirements. Um, an intermediate way might be something like these model evaluations could be done by an external auditor. And um, kind of this pausing um, mechanism could be built into the, the contractual relationship between um, the auditor and the developer. And so the hope would be if different developers kind of work with the same auditor to kind of essentially set up such a regime. And how is your proposal different from the AI pause letter that was put out by the Future of Life Institute? Made a lot of headlines back in March. So one is um, our proposal is much more concrete. Um, so you would have to run specific tests and only and only if you fail these tests, you'd have to pause. Um, and also the length of the pause wouldn't be arbitrary. In, in the Future of Life proposal, it was um, six months. Um, and then another difference is, I think our proposal might result in in many pauses, um, you know, as more dangerous systems are uh, identified. Um, and and FLI, uh, they only pushed for this single six-month moratorium. Overall, I think their proposal is not particularly realistic. And I think we're proposing a somewhat more realistic alternative. And yeah, I'm also not 100% convinced that their proposal is actually that desirable. We'll be right back with more on how an AI pause would actually work. You're listening to Marketplace Tech. I'm Lily Jamali. We're back with Jonas Schutt, Research Fellow at the Center for the Governance of AI. I want to make sure we're not glossing over the potential danger that you're flagging in your paper. If I am an AI developer, how would you propose I identify dangerous capabilities in my models? So, I mean, uh, most of them, or like at least some of them, are already doing that. Um, so this um, approach, uh, this kind of risk um, identification or like assessment method, which we call a model evaluation, um, is now increasingly popular. The, the way that these kind of model evaluations um, kind of work is you essentially try to make the model do a certain dangerous thing. So um, I don't know if you, if you look at um, the, if you, you might be concerned that the model is able to create copies of itself and, and acquire resources, um, then you might uh, break down this kind of slightly worrying um, capability into kind of tasks. And this might include stuff like, um, you know, can the model um, create a Bitcoin wallet or, or solve a capture or stuff like that? And then you essentially test for these things um, and, and see how well they do on each of these tasks. And then, uh, of course, this is like a somewhat subjective um, test at the end of the day. Uh, but this is roughly how these types of evaluations work. Where does that lead? Let's say a model is able to create a Bitcoin wallet then what? What's the worst case scenario? Oh, I mean, the worry uh, with, with this particular um, capability, which, uh, which is uh, creating, creating copies of itself and, and acquiring resources, is if you have, uh, if you have kind of this autonomous agent that, that can do this, um, and uh, it's, I don't know, it tries to make the developers some money, um, and uh, it, yeah, it, it essentially spreads um, over the, the internet uh, like, like a virus, then it might become extremely costly to, to shut it down. And, and at some point, it might essentially be impossible to shut it down. And so it might be, you know, um, it might be very annoying to have all these like agents um, be, being annoying on the internet. Um, but if these uh, agents would have harmful goals, like, I don't know, committing cyber crimes, then, um, then this might actually lead to, to, to a bunch of harm. And one criticism that we hear a lot about those who are advocating for a pause or a slowdown is that, you know, you guys are overplaying the capabilities of large language models as they exist today. What do you say to that argument? I mean, that's exactly the, that, I mean, that's a very good 
question. And the, the, the point that we are trying to make is only pause if you have evidence that the models are actually, uh, actually dangerous. We, we are actually not advocating for this kind of general pause. Um, we think we are just highly uncertain like how dangerous these models will actually be. It's possible that, that all these concerns are justified and that the next generation of model is actually really, really dangerous, but they may also not be. Um, and, and in that case, you would not have to pause. Um, the, the point is, um, given our uncertainty, we should at least test and, and collect evidence um, such that we are in a position to do something about it if it turns out, if they turn out to be dangerous. And in your paper, you talk about a number of obstacles that would need to be overcome for this kind of pause to work. What would you say is the most important one or two of those obstacles? Yeah. So, so one is evals. So the problem is we don't have good model evaluations for all dangerous capabilities. So only a few um, dozen of people and maybe a handful of organizations are able to do these evaluations because they're extremely complex and it's like a fairly um, new um, kind of instrument. Um, and, and they don't cover all the capabilities that, that people worry about. Uh, and even the ones that we do have, they might not be good enough. So, so it's like a fairly... Um, new risk assessment technique, and, and we're just not there yet. Um, and so kind of a lack of good, reliable evaluations is, is probably the main obstacle. And then um, another obstacle is um, antitrust law. So some kinds of coordination between private companies might just violate antitrust law. So for example, if different labs um, probably they, they can't make a legal agreement in which they commit to pause, that's probably just illegal. Um, but some of the other versions we, we uh, discuss might, might be less problematic, like the, the, the audit version. That was Jonas Schutt, research fellow at the Center for the Governance of AI. Marketplace Tech covered the future of life's AI pause letter extensively when it came out earlier this year. One of the many perspectives we heard came from Gary Marcus, an AI expert who signed the letter. He told my colleague Megan McCarty-Carino he hoped a hiatus would give governments and developers time to put regulatory policies in place. Without that, he warned, we could be staring down a, quote, information apocalypse. We also heard from AI skeptic Emily M. Bender, who says we're framing this debate all wrong. Concerns about a future AI-induced apocalypse are a distraction, she says, from real harms happening now, like synthetic text being mistaken for reliable information and becoming actual misinformation. We've got links to those past episodes, as well as a link to the paper Jonas Shute co-authored at our website, marketplacetech.org. Rosie Hughes produced this episode. I'm Lily Jamali, and that's Marketplace Tech. This is APM.